Well, welcome. This is episode three of Scholars and Sense. It's a new podcast. It features Conrad Black, Victor Davis Hanson, and me, Bill Bennett. We discuss the issues of the day with what we hope and intend is thoughtful conversation that will rise above the noise and talking points and get to the heart of the matter. Let's jump in. Uh, lots to talk about. There is lots of news. Uh, several things on my mind and uh, obviously things on your mind, gentlemen. Uh, the pipeline. What do we make of this uh, This shutdown of this uh, pipeline with gasoline? My home state, North Carolina, the most dramatically affected 25% decrease in available gasoline. Well, I, I, there are certainly suggestions that there is a conventional supply-demand problem because the Prices have gone up, you know. I mean, the, or I mean, it's a chicken and egg thing, but there appear to be. Now, look, like, what do I know? I'm sitting a thousand miles away, but backups in in supply through many parts of the United States and and uh, virtual, you know, long lineups and gas stations and virtual rationing, and as I understand it, six or seven states, and that can't all have happened just because of a cyber hack on a pipeline. Uh, I think it. I think in the east it can. I think what it it's, it shows us two things that this rush if these people are as they say Russian orientated, I think it shows you that there's a general lack of deterrence now with Joe Biden. They feel he's non mentas, he's not in control and whether it's North Korea or now we see in Israel or China or Russia, Ukraine, people are going to to do things with the assumption that there won't be consequence. But more importantly, and this is a little bit more controversial, I think there's a lot of people who feel that if Joe Biden cancels pipelines, which he did with Keystone and Dakota, and then if he, if somebody else were going to do that, there would be people on the hard left that would secretly or stealthily say, you know what, this might be a good thing for us to get off fossil fuels. It'll be a dramatic way. Not that they had anything to do with it, but the people who did this might think especially when they threw that little quirk in that we don't do this to nonprofits or hospitals, that's if they're humanitarian Greenpeace type people. But I think the assumption is that in general, there's not a lot of deterrence in the United States for anything. And second of all, that if you attack a fossil fuel thing for the purposes of hurting the U.S. economy or U.S. the U.S. regime, there are going to be people within it who, who feel that this might be an unintended consequence that would uh, channel into their agenda. A couple of quick questions. I want to stay with this discussion. Uh, do you think, uh, was it, was it the, wasn't it the very first thing he did as president, cancel the Excel pipeline? Is that the first re- day, certainly. Is that, yeah. is that relevant here? Yes, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it wasn't actually functioning, but it's relevant to the overall picture very much so. It's too, because it, it, it just reverberated throughout the world that the United States doesn't have a lot of backup or pipeline capacity in what it has, it doesn't want. So, if, and that's a vulnerable, that's one of our assets that's very vulnerable. And then two, there's a lot of people in the United States that have a lot of power that don't like pipelines. So if you're going to attack the United States, A, it's going to hurt the United States especially, and B, there's going to be people who say, wow, you're on the same team we are. We cancel it, so are you. And I think that's kind of a harsh assessment. Can I add another point here? It seemed to me just, I didn't see, uh, you know, I don't watch the news nonstop, but the press spokespeople for the administration said, well, this is up to the companies to resolve. They just sort of passed the buck and ducked it and said, well, you know, these companies aren't... uh, they're not serving their customers properly. That's really up to them to, to you know, to resolve it, uh, you know, which is, which won't do. I mean, the supply no, of gasoline is a matter of national 
interest and and and, uh, and national concern. I, it seems to me, going back to Victor's point about what the world thinks of Biden, we have indeed arrived at uh, Mr. Nixon's famous point that he told all of us to avoid, which was the United States becoming a pitiful, helpless giant. The Homeland Security Secretary says the southern border is closed. And then we go to news film. Uh, showing people pouring across the border. And, and the uh, announced figure yesterday showed a 944% year-over-year increase in apprehension of people crossing the border in April. Bill, can I ask you a question? If tomorrow the same people took out the Internet headquarters where we have all of our Internet assets on U.S. soil, would Facebook and Twitter and all of the left that runs the social media conglomerates, would they say, uh, would, would Biden tell them, well, this is your problem. It's not a government problem. It's not an American problem. You know, you're just not developing your product well enough. You should have done better and you'll have to solve it. Arm. I don't think so. So no, I don't think so. Their attitude is it's because it's the oil industry and they're considered an existential in, enemy of this administration. So your, your suspicion or maybe that's too strong, but your the possibility you raise that this uh, is done on purpose of getting us off fossil fuel suggests that this whole question of whether it's a uh, criminal group in Russia supported by the Russian government, that's entirely different analysis, right? You're saying it may be home. Uh, no, I. No, I know it. I don't think it's homegrown. I think it is Russian. I think it's Russian related, but it channels into what Conrad was saying. I think there's a lot of actors in the world now who want to piggyback on certain issues. And so if we cancel pipelines and we say we're going to go Green New Deal and they think, wow, they're very vulnerable on their delivery systems. And if we attack that, they're not going to be muscular because there's people within the government who don't like fossil fuels, and they'll see that this is a, never a price to waste, then they act in the same way in the Middle East that Conrad brought up. If they think there's daylight between the United States and Israel, or that Iran's going to have money again, or the Palestinians are getting their 700 million, then people over a minor little evacuation, uh, eviction thing are going to act because they feel there's no deterrence, there's no consequences. And you took as a hint of this you're, uh, it was an aside that, you know, hey, we're, we're not going to do it to nonprofits, hospitals, and others, that this suggests uh, the, this is uh, politically, maybe politically driven, ideologically driven. It's brilliant because they, they're going to say, they're saying to America, we're not your enemy as they are our enemy. And we don't really want to hurt you, but they do want to hurt us. And we want to shut down your most important commodity and hurt your economy and your strategic abilities. But... We're kind of doing something that you did yourself. And, you know, you cancel pipelines. We kind of cancel it to the nth degree. And you want a green future? Maybe so do we. They don't. They're just thugs. But that's what happens when you give the impression that uh, your primary interests are not U.S. Uh, security and power, but there are other things. And people come into the void and fill it. I want to get to Israel in a couple of minutes. But, Conrad, uh I want to get to the question is, is how strong Biden will come out for Israel. But will Biden, given this discussion, come out strongly for fossil fuel? I, I, I find it hard to imagine him coming out strongly for anything. But and I'm trying not to be partisan here. I mean, I think he is in his way. He believes he's a sincerely patriotic American. And, uh, and, I, and I, I, would, I would give him the benefit of the doubt that he's sincere in that belief. But I wonder, I mean, he has been tested and he's been now continually 
more frequently and and piercingly tested and he's flunking the test and as long as he flunks the test people will pile on everyone loves to beat up the former strongman and uh, and it is going to become an international game i'm not so sure that the russians would even bother trying to say look we're trying to do you a favor you claim to be green i i, I don't i don't know if they would get into that i, I don't i don't think they're doing i think people Try oh, the, the, the fifth column within will do it. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the Cortez faction will do it. I agree with that. No, They'll but say, I, well, mean, I mean, every thug in the world who wants to hurt the United States now will do so under the cloak or the assumption that the United States will not reply if, it, if they attack in a certain way and with a certain rhetoric. I'm not suggesting that there's fifth column or that the Russian government's doing it. I just think there's people who, with a wink and a nod from Russia, will pose as humanitarians that don't uh, that'll only attack for-profit greedy corporations and pipelines, with the assumption that there will be people in the United States now who will think, well, it's just a pipeline. We cancel them ourselves. It's fossil fuel. We're going to get off it anyway. So let's not get too mad about it. But is there a point? The price of of uh, oil, price of gasoline at the pump. That uh, you know that where where Biden st- decides to stand up to whomever it is and to stand up for fossil fuel, uh, you know, we're over three bucks now. Four oh five here. Four oh five in California. Yeah, I just and, and, and where was it two years ago? Uh, two uh, right, right. Well, here it was two dollars and eighty five cents right before the election. One eighty five in North Carolina. So, all right, if we go to four in the country at large, five in California. Uh, is that point, does he get the backbone? Does he stand up for fossil fuel, for or against whoever's doing this? Well, at that point, I mean, I think the burning question is, at what point does the American public stop saying, good old Joe, he's a nice guy, thank heavens, things are less complicated and noisy than they were before, and say, you know, for God's sakes, you know, you're the president, act, you know, you're the leader of the nation, lead, defend our national interest. If, if half the population is lining up for their gasoline, Bill, I, I think wokeness will take a swan dive. I think yeah. it depends on how powerful is the new media and the old media because they fuse with the Democratic Party and the progressive movement. And so they are covering up. I don't want like that word, but they are rationalizing or make normalizing the border, the economy, all of these things. It's, there's no big worry. But at some critical point, even they can't do it. I just like to add that all the ancient wisdom that we inherited the last 2,500 years if you print more money and you discourage people to work by paying them more to stay home, and if you go after producers and energy or cancel pipelines or threaten people with taxes, then you're going to have inflation and you're going to have a stagflation. If you defund the police, you're going to have more crime. If you tell the world you're not going to be robust and that you're not going to be nice to your allies or you, there is no such thing as allies. I think part of the problem is that all of the adult wisdom that we've all accumulated over 2,500 years and we thought was common knowledge and common sense. If you print money and you discourage people not to work by giving them more money to stay home and you go after producers and threaten them with higher taxes and regulations, you're going to get stagflation. If you have an open border and you say you welcome people to come, there's not going to be any enforcement of immigration law. There's no security board. You're going to get more illegal immigration. If you say you're going to defund the police and not arrest people, for serious misdemeanors, you're going to get more crime. And abroad, if you're if you give the message that certain friends are not really friends and certain enemies are not really enemies, you're going to have chaos. 
And yet this administration in 100 days is just throwing out all of that wisdom. We can print money. It would be no consequences. We can shut down pipelines and stop leases. Price of gas won't go up. We can open the border. There will be no consequences. We can start funding the Palestinians, reach out to Iran. There will be no chaos. And it's, it's sort of – we haven't seen anything like this since – I can remember in my 20s yeah. with Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, it was counterintuitive. He just said, the rules don't apply anymore. I'm going to do what I want. And we had a disaster by 1979. Irrational fear of communism, he said. Yeah. The question is, when does the you know, resistance or rebellion or the pitchfork rebellion uh, begin? And uh, I, one of my questions is about the immediacy of this. The immigration thing, you know, people have to see it on TV and they're not seeing it on most channels. Uh, the cops thing. You know, they don't see that on a lot of channels either, and it mostly affects these uh, inner-city communities. Uh, the gasoline thing hits people right at the pump. It's got an immediacy to it. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just thinking of here not of final causes, Aristotle, but efficient causes. This could this could be the thing that really tips people. Do you, do you guys agree? The gasoline going to four or five bucks? I, I do, and, and I think if, if it's all happening in the backdrop, of countries being clearly disrespectful of the United States in a way that hasn't happened before, at least since the Carter administration. That, that, that I, I mean, look, you guys are Americans, I'm not, but there is a point when an American, like any other uh, citizen of any serious country, doesn't like to see his country humiliated and embarrassed in the world. And Americans aren't used to it, and, and they're right not to approve of it. But uh, it, certainly it's been disguised as much as can be done by the, the docile national rapidly partisan political media but you, you I mean you know I think we go back to Mr. Lincoln's line you can't fool all of the people all of the time yeah I think we have a hundred days where we were told that Donald Trump was a disruptor and he, he divided us and so everybody who I think was sufficiently naive thought believed Biden and that honeymoon is ending I think inflation is the they will notice when they go to the lumber yard as people are and that four by eight sheet of plywood is a hundred dollars. Or when I go to Home Depot, I see people that tie ropes around lumber in their, if they're a contractor, they either have ropes or they have a tarp over the back of their pickup because lumber now is considered something like gold. And I, I, I just talked to a contractor the other day and he said, all the little scraps that I use after a job, three, two by fours that are three feet, two feet, I don't throw them away now. I pile them at home and I give them to my fellow contractors and we horse trade. And when you see gas, as you said, food, food, is the consumer price was 0.4. And that's without food and housing and housing is going up. So uh, I think we're really, if you counted housing and gas and lumber, we're at about a 12% annual rate of inflation with those included in the consumer price basket, which they're not. Now, I, I wonder how long. Anyway, we, we know the sentiments of many in the Biden camp, advisors and others, influencers, as we now say, terrible word, uh, neologism, uh, about fossil fuels. And so I think your suspicion or, or concern, worry, Victor, is noted. What about when we get to foreign policy? Uh, I've noted people have weighed in on this already in terms of Israel. Uh, same question. Uh, guys that I made about fossil fuel, does Biden stand up strongly for uh, Israel? Uh, we know a lot of dissenting voices in the uh, Democrat Party on this. Um, so far, I think his first statements were the right of Israel to defend itself, if I heard it right. Did I hear it right? And where will we stand? 
I, I would be astounded if the Palestinians could sustain any kind of all-out war with Israel for more than a day. So I, I would have thought the danger is slightly exaggerated. I, I mean, not that they wouldn't like to conduct a war against Israel if they thought they could do it successfully. But uh, I just don't know where there's any possibility of that. And, and uh, uh, setting aside for the moment the unknowable of, of how long uh, Bibi can stay there. I mean, I, I mean, you know, he's been told so many times over the years that that uh, you know that he's failed to form a government. Then they go to yeah, the leader. They, yeah. uh, but, but he appears to be able to hang in there. And I would tie this in with his statement, which, as far as I know, has re- received multi-partisan approval in Israel that they're not going to tolerate a a militarily nuclear Iran. Which I mean, the clear import of that is that the, you know they're going to attack the iranians if the uh if the six powers don't uh, impose something that's a believable restraint on iran's nuclear program so i mean this this flopping around of biden's and his attempt to resuscitate that awful agreement with iran is, is destabilizing things now as of now it's a remote issue it's not like having a lineup behind 50 cars at your gas station but but it, it is it, there's going to be a climate if this government's not competent and who the hell is running it anyway but you're reading the hamas israel thing short-lived because uh, they, I'm, not, I'm not no neither mind no, no I, you, said I, I think they have a, you said a day conrad that the hamas could oh yeah no but it, it, i mean if, if if it wasn't all that war it wouldn't last much more than a day. i think they have a pretty brilliant strategy the palestinians and the Hezbollah and Hamas, their strategy is, and it's just very simple to spot, why didn't they do this six months ago? Because they thought that Donald Trump was a staunch yeah. ally. He would give them anything they wanted from bunker buster bombs to a green light to retaliate. Now they feel if we, if we shoot 100 rockets on Monday, take a break, shoot 100 rockets on Tuesday, Israel attacks, blows up an apartment building where there are people, then we can count on Tlaib or Omar tweeting and Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, that group, deploring Israeli violence. And then maybe Lebanon, they have 100,000 rockets in Lebanon, Hezbollah. Maybe they'll shoot a few over and then they think, you know what? There's not going to be any more Saudis or moderate, quote unquote, regimes recognizing Israel. And the reason they didn't, they were starting to, is because they said to us, we know that Shia, Persian, Khomeiniism is crazier than you think. And it's, a, it's an existential danger to all of us. And we want to ally with Israel if you'll protect us and you'll keep at, you'll keep Iran in existence and we're going to have an alliance. But now they don't think it's there. So the Arab countries are saying, you know, our street wants us to show solidarity with the Palestinians. Hamas knows that. So Hamas is saying the more Iran gives us money or encouragement, the more that we keep this drip, 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 drip. The moderate Arabs are going to on. They're going to have to stop. Their recognition of Israel, they'll backpedal, they'll probably cut a deal with Iran, and they'll go back to the way it was when we got all this money and support because we were the poor Palestinians. They won't be able to respond the way you say, level this, 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 because the United States, and if you look at social media, the the whole Democratic Party is anti-Israel. Yeah, but but I I put this to to both of you. the ancient foes of the Arab world of Turks and the Persians, not the Jews. And, and those facts are still there. And, and, and the Iranians are encroaching in the Arab world in a way the Arabs don't like. If you just take the United States out of it, Israel out of self-defense, 
will, I think, continue to adhere to its longstanding policy of what is complained about in, in liberal circles in the West is disproportionate retaliation. So for every hundred rockets that are fired at Israel, the Iron Dome takes down more than half of them, but they respond with, say, 500 rockets. And, and uh, fine, the Americans will say disapproving things. Biden will waffle. Uh, Blinken will waffle. But Israel will keep firing the rockets in a disproportionate way. And uh, the, the Arab powers, who are, who are no great admirers of the Palestinians to begin with, uh, in my opinion, are, are, I agree there will be some rebalancing. But in the end, they're more concerned about the incursions of Iran in the Arab world and up to a point of Erdogan also uh, than they are about Israel. I mean, Israel's not really an enemy of those countries. And the whole Palestinian question was kept alive for decades as a way for distracting, the, as you said, the masses of the street from the misgovernment that was being inflicted on them. But uh, all, I think all of that has changed. Uh, the removal of the U.S. as a backstop for Israel, I agree, is an inconvenience to Israel, but it won't prevent them from defending themselves, and they can't do that. But, Conrad, this has been going on for 40 years, the Iranian regime, and the Arabs feel exactly as you described, were overtly anti-Arab now. And the only reason they came out was for the first time, the U.S. president said, this is a sham, we're getting out of the Iran deal, they're not going to have a bomb, we're going to take out Soleimani, we're going to have sanctions, we don't care... We're going to encourage this. And then the, the Arab regime said, wow, these guys are crazy Americans. It's not John Kerry. It's not Barack Obama. It's not Joe Biden. It's vice. These people are serious and they're going to give us cover from our own people. So we're going to tell our own people, look, you guys, we could be nuked by Iran. And for the first time, we're going to come out and take a risk and recognize Israel. Yeah. And now what it, I agree, they secretly would probably be more anti-Iranian than you and I are. But now they're thinking wait a minute, we go out there and we start recognizing Israel when there's this propaganda emanating all over the world from the West Bank. It's in Washington. It's in all the European capitals. And we're going to be more to more pro-Israel than the United States is or Europe is or the Palestine. We can't do that. And Iran's going to get the bomb now. And they've got the oil price coming up and the sanctions are going to leave and Hezbollah is going to be flush with gas and Hamas is going to have cash. And we're going to be sitting here wondering where Donald Trump is. He may never come back. But Victor, the the Chinese have broken the embargo anyway. They're buying oil from Iran. So so there's nothing we can do about that. I mean, in fairness, I don't think even Trump could have done much about that. But uh, on the other side, as I said a few minutes ago, Bibi has said, and as far as I can see, there's general support for this in Israel, that Israel will prevent itself, will prevent, not the United States, Israel will prevent uh, Iran from becoming a nuclear military power. And I think that, if anything, would strengthen relations between Israel and the Saudis, not weaken it. I don't. I think they would say those damn Jews, they would call up the Israelis and they would say, look, you can fly over Saudi Arabia if you're short some ammunition that will figure out six, you have it from us and they will do it. And then they will say those damn Jews attacked an Islamic country and they're horrible. And if they retaliate against Israel, the Saudis would be sort of like Stalin in 1940, they would say 40, early 41. I hope these two enemies of ours destroy each other. But the point is, whatever take we have on it, that is a war. And Israel would not be forced to do that. Had the United States just said to the Iranians and the Palestinians and the Arabs, there is no 
there's no daylight between Israel and us. It's a no, I, the only point between us, I think, yeah. is I agree. The U.S. Yeah. simply waffling and backing yeah. out and, and you know turning tail is bad. It's a bad it's, in every yeah. way. Uh, but it, but the fact is, Israel will 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 do the necessary even without the United States. Yeah, but that's a war, and they wouldn't have to do that. That's a big war. Because this is true. Be a, and there'll be a retaliation against us for that. Just, let me just make a point here. You know, I, I was just reflecting. As you're talking, uh, you know, uh, whether we're talking about oil, you know, fossil fuel, um, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, America as the energy, as an en- what used to be an energy exporter, I guess we still are to some extent, but who knows how long that'll last. Maybe that's over. Uh, the border, um, foreign relations, you know, I think of the old expression, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you measure a crooked stick, put a straight stick next to it? Has there ever been? You know, you're going back in history here and thinking about Nixon or, or Roosevelt. Has there ever been in successive presidencies a greater contrast between one and then the one who followed? I mean, this is night and day. This is black and white. This is yin and yang, isn't it? I mean, this is <laughs> Carter Reagan, I think, is the closest. Yeah, that, I agree. That would be close, the but, but not as I don't think as close. Do you think? No, not not as close. No, no, because no. you got to remember one thing about Carter. After he screwed up everything, he got the Carter Doctrine, and he said there will not be one country yeah. in the Middle East that will flip over to the Soviet Union. And he he beefed up the military the last year in his presidency. Look, he sort of got religion after the Russian he invasion did. of Afghanistan. He did. He had a yeah, rescue mission, not a very good one. Let me turn to something else, maybe uh, more tedious, more irritating in some ways, certainly. Uh, I'm back in the swamp now. I was in North Carolina. I'm back in the swamp in D.C. And the neighborhood I live is you know, mostly liberal Democrat. There are still some people who talk to me um, and uh, are, are pleasant. And they are all saying the same thing. Uh, and I am saying the same thing back. I had no idea there were so many Liz Cheney fans in Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, yeah. it, it's just extraordinary. They're, they're going, it won't what do, fly. What are you, do, what are you doing yeah. to this poor woman? What is your party doing to this w- woman? This fine, wo- this fine woman who voted with Trump, what, 92, 93, 94% of the time? Um, yeah. uh, what are we doing? By the way, uh, I, I mean, I feel badly about this. I've known Liz a long time. I like her. I think she's smart. I would have hoped that she could have been the speaker at some point because I think she's really smart and really tough and really conservative. But I think this has been some kind of self-destructive mission uh, she has been on. And, and, and so I agree with the leadership. I'm not crazy about the leadership, to tell you the truth. Um, but um, I, I agree with them here. But, um, it, 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 Bill, I mean, I don't know. Was Shane, I, know I know her father a bit. And I always admired him. But I think this is an absolutely decisive point in, in, in our current political history because the Republican Party in throwing her out is, in effect, confirming the vote of the majority of the Republican congressmen not to seat certain electors. Uh, and and they have the Republican Party is effectively saying, look, there is a question. There's a question about the integrity of the 2020 presidential election. And we don't believe that the former president tried to incite insurrection. And, and that she's saying exactly the opposite. She's saying there's no question about the election and, and, and the former president committed crimes. On, on January 6th. And and they're throwing her out for that reason. Now, she's an intelligent woman. She wo- votes with Trump, as you say, more than 90% of the time she did. But for her own reasons, and you, since you know her, you would be much better qualified to judge than I would. She, she's got on a suicide mission here. I don't know what the point of it is, but the, whatever she's doing it for, I think the, res- the re- result will be the 
reverse of what she's seeking. I mean, the fact is the Biden administration is sinking every day and the, and Trump is still in control of the Republican parties. And, um, and the fact is there are questions about that election of the 28 cases that the Trump organization took on the integrity of the election itself in Pennsylvania and the other hotly contested states. So no problems in 44 states, but there were in six states and swing states. None of them was ever adjudicated. None of them. And, and, and the Supreme Court's, you know, led the parade by refusing to hear the attorney general of Texas's case supported by 18 other states on the integrity of the election and the constitutionality of what Pennsylvania had done. And there is a question about that election, not the popular vote. And as usual, Trump is his own worst enemy, making stupid statements. But it is going to be right up there that the the attempt of the Democrats and their allies in the media to stamp out, extirpate, including on Fox News, including people like Brett Hume, that any thought that Trump has a legitimate argument that he was cheated in the election, that's failed. That's right up there. Yeah. And approximately half the people believe it. I would just add, I always... When I look at something like this, I don't think it's a suicide mission or what I think. I try to say what she's thinking. So what is she thinking tactically and strategically? I think tactically, she looks at this single district in Wyoming and she says, look, there's probably going to be four or five Republicans in this. They're going to split the vote. And uh, there's probably 30 percent of the state, 30 of the electorate. They're probably going to be mobilized as much as Republicans or independents or Democrats. All I need is 20% of the Republicans and 30% of the left wing, and they have no choice but me, and I can squeeze this thing out and get elected. And then I don't believe she can, but that's a strategy attack. That's what she's thinking. She's going to appeal to independence, all the Democrats in Wyoming, and then hope that she gets a sliver of the Republican vote. If she just shut up, she would have been reelected easily. 94% of the votes she voted for. So obviously she didn't hate the Trump maggot agenda, but what she wants is a higher higher profile. So nationally, she looks at this never Trump rump. And it's in, she, there's Bill Crystal, there's the Bulwark, there's the Dispatch, the Lincoln, all of these people lack one thing. They did not have a national political leader. They were intellectuals, commentariats, swamp creatures, activists, lobbyists, you name them. Mitt Romney didn't pan out. And she thinks she's the rising star that can galvanize. We had 100 Republicans. Just think of it. That's no coincidence. Sign a petition. They were all whom you would expect, you know, Christy Todd, Whitman, et cetera. They're all going to leave the, the Republican Party. Why now? This crux of Biden. Yeah, right. So they're doing this because Liz Cheney has decided that she's going to bring all of these disparate groups and reform the Republican Party, so it's going to be absolutely free, but not necessarily fair trade. And we're going to have sort of a wink and nod and have a guest worker, a big border, kind of a Bush border program, all of what John McCain and Mitt Romney and the Bushes ran on. And that's what she thinks she's going to be the, the, the figure, the totem, the icon of that movement. But as and, you say, she voted with Trump 90-some percent of the time. Oh, yeah. That was a question of sincerity then, isn't it? No, what, yeah. I don't think she's necessarily completely sincere because a person who votes with someone 93% of the time doesn't become the rallying point to destroy that person and their agenda. She's died in the wool conservative. She's very, very conservative. Look, I want to pick up uh, cheaply on... Uh, on Conrad's setup, which is, you know, I don't know what the point of the suicide mission is. Sometimes the point of the suicide mission is suicide. And, you know, whether whether consciously or not, um, I mean, I think she's doing it. Uh, you know, you can command the, the heights of the of the bulwark 
And what was the other one you mentioned? The, the whatever the dispatch. The dispatch. Yeah, the dispatch. Fine. Yeah. You know, take your kingdom. What is uh, what is he? What does uh, uh, Thomas say to 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 what's his name? You know, uh, profit a man not to gain the whole world, serve the loss of his soul. But for whales, I mean, you know, for, <laughs> for that. Um, so so I don't know, but I am really puzzled. She made a statement indicating you know how strongly conservative she is, and so on. So. I'd be surprised if she read led that legion, but you, you know, see, I, I, could, I agree with wrong. I agree with Victor, but I thought the the real uh, bellwether for the Never Trumpers w- was McConnell. He came snorting out of the undergrowth, saying, "Hallelujah, the, the you know the ogre has gone. Good riddance to him. It's back to normal. Let's let's enjoy ourselves." And then it, that blew up in his face, and he quickly retreated back into his foxhole uh, of coexistence with the ex president and. I, I mean, I, I agree. She's setting herself up as the leader of the Never Trumpers, but it's it's but it's contrary to her own voting record, and uh, I, it looks like a cul-de-sac to me. Yeah. It looks like a sort of a, I, I, you know, to a little like Enoch Powell. You know, he was a brilliant man, but he got into the wrong he got into the wrong arguments. Does anyone say, look, uh, you know, let's stop pretending here. Trump still controls that party, and let's stop pretending that that he's gone and he's just some some lunatic sitting in a big house in Florida. No, insufficient options. He's not gone, but I don't think he's in control of the party. I think he's in control of a lot of the media, uh, but I don't think he's in control of the party, and I don't think he's going to be. I I, I deal with the issues that Liz Cheney raises this way. The election issue, I think, is a real one. It means you've got to defeat H.R. 1, and then you've got to pass these laws like they're passing in Georgia and Florida and elsewhere. As to the nomination, I don't think he's going to get it. I, I don't know if he's going to run or not. I think even if he does run, he's not going to get it. Um, and I'm a friend of his, and I like him, and I supported what he did, and I hope he doesn't run uh, because I don't think we need that again. And he'll be four years older and angrier and crankier, and we don't need that again. And there's some good good stars on the horizon. I don't know whether it's wise or not for Trump to run, but what she is counting on are two things that are fallacious. And one is that it's old Joe Biden from Scranton. It's not that bad. And he was an alternative to Trump. And that's wrong because what she's basically doing is not attacking the most left wing woke president we've ever had at the time. And incompetent, too. And just yes. So she should be directing all of her fire from that. And she's not. Had Joe Biden been the moderate that he then maybe she would she would be okay. She'd say, you know, I, I was against Trump and look what we got. We got a nice guy and it's not that bad. But she misjudged that or she knew in advance. I don't know which. And the second thing, if you're right about that, Bill, is Trump was on Twitter every day and he was on social media and he was announcing that he's going to run. And we had a rally every week. Then she, she could say, look at this guy. He's, he's got all the, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's fading whether that, I mean, I think he's still a very important person, but he's not the presence that he was before, you know, before he left office. And so she's running against this, this imaginary Trump that controls everything and this imaginary Joe Biden that's a moderate and not really the chief worry. Yeah, I agree he doesn't control it, but, but I, if, if, if the primaries were now, he would win them. My, my, my own guess is that w- what's going to happen, and I guess what I would like is that, uh, no, that he not run, but that he be treated with respect and that the candidate nominate be someone he supports. And I agree, I think you've got a number of first-rate candidates there. Now that none of them will, will are people who 
uh, they'll have 50,000 people standing in the cold for hours waiting for them to come and speak to them in a football stadium in okay. Oklahoma or someplace. They're not like that. But but they would be they would it, it with Trump's endorsement. Uh, I, I think I, I think you'd have, you know, the traditional Republican sobriety and confidence with he's already uh, whether he runs or not he's already won because there's not going to be a single candidate who says let's return the republican party before this aberration we've got to have a a more reasonable border comprehensive immigration reform we've got to treat china incorporate them into the world of nations by being a little bit more tolerant of their excesses we've got you know those jobs are not coming back we don't have a magic wand we cannot reindustrialize the united states and uh, I just don't think a Republican, any Republican can run A, on Romneyism or McCainism or Bushism anymore. And two, without going to Donald Trump and saying, you know what, I'm going to run against you if he does run. If I don't run against you, I want your endorsement. But I'm going to have the same agenda that you did. And I appreciate that. Do you guys think that if Trump announces he's running for the nomination, the others like DeSantis and Tim Scott and so forth, uh, I don't know, Senator Hawley, Tom Cotton, uh, Abbott, whoever, uh, they're all good men. But do you think they they would run against them? No, I, for their I, sake, I, for their sake, I hope he would announce soon, I hope. And they'd say, yeah, we're waiting. We're seeing. We'll see what happens. It also depends on how quick, if you have Tim Scott out-trumping Trump yeah. or DeSantis out-trumping yeah. Trump and what how yeah. they sound, yeah, then that he will do it. But see, I, Tim Scott is the one that could really steal the Democrats' clothes, I think. If he, if he would run on a Trump agenda, yeah. Yeah. If, but we saw what happened with Nikki Haley when you back away from that agenda and you try to be more than too smart by half. It doesn't work. You got to yeah. be strong hearted. And this is what uh, seems to, you know, uh, appeal to so many voters with DeSantis. Uh, we are t- toward the end here uh, going past. Our, we said we could do some in 30 minutes. No, we can't. Uh, it's just too much fun. Too interesting. Just give me one little thing here. How about the San Francisco schools may open, Victor, for a day. In order to get these millions of dollars, because the law was written that if they open for a day a week, for the next three weeks, they get all the money. They did the impossible, California teachers. They got a left-wing state uh, that has the largest number of teachers and the strongest teachers union in the United States. They got the majority of Californians do not like them anymore. And that's hard to do here. But every parent that I know says, my child cannot learn it learn on Zoom. I can't go to work. I have nobody to watch yeah. my children. My special yeah. needs person kid is is regressing. And these people have been vaccinated. There's there's no reason these teachers that have two Pfizer, two Moderna shots, why in the world have they not opened this school? Right. Uh, look, $130 billion payoff to the teachers unions and the schools still aren't open. It's a disgrace. Is this a crew to Biden or just the teachers union? Uh, it occurs to him somewhat for not taking a stronger stand, saying that they should, that they should go back, you know, to the schools. Yeah. But but San Francisco, I must say this for them: I, I don't like the teachers. And as a, when I was a student myself, I didn't like the teachers except for a couple of them. But the but I'll give them this: the school district in San Francisco did reject the motion to take down Washington, Lincoln, and FDR as people that schools were named after. Said they were acceptable to keep them. Can I ask you guys a question? I know it's sort of off the wall and early. Yeah. But uh, what do you think will happen at this point? Best you can see, what do you think will happen in the midterms? 
Oh, I, you know, Republicans will gain seats, no question, and uh, have a majority. How solid? Depends on some of the things we're talking about. I think could yeah. be big. Yeah. If these things that uh, Victor listed in that litany, you know, uh, begin, you know, you think of them accruing cumulatively, did I say that right, to, on the account of Biden, uh, they're, they're, in, they're in big trouble. And some of these things are going to split off, aren't they, Victor and Conrad? Some of these Democrats, like Israel and gas pipelines, huh? Yes, absolutely. If you're a, if you're an Israeli supporter, and you see what, and you voted for Joe Biden, and you see what's going on in the Middle East, I don't think you're going to vote for him or give him money. At least some of them. I would just end on one thing. Uh, there's a good article by Nicholas Wade about the whole COVID origins. I would urge everybody to read it. It's very very good. I agree. And and what we're learning is that Dr. Fauci is not the Dr. Fauci that he has professed to be. And the person that we destroyed, we being the American popular culture and the media, Scott Atlas, when it's all said and done, his advice that, you know, with caution, wear masks inside in a room and distance, but don't shut the entire economy down. And the origins of this virus probably were gain-of-function experiments that were leaked or gone wrong. He, he's going to be validated if he isn't already. And Dr. Fauci, wow. is, that's one of the biggest scams and the biggest deceptions in American popular history. This idea but don't Dr. you think that Senator Paul mulled him badly? I, you know, every time I hear Rand Paul speak the last year, I think, why was I ever skeptical of him? That does it for today's show. Want to join the discussion? Please do. Email the show at scholarsandsensepodcast at gmail.com. Share the show with your family and friends. Subscribe, rate, review. For Conrad Black and Victor Davis Hanson, I'm Bill Bennett. We'll talk again soon.